The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 7th. In today's news, Michael Cohen's lawyer admits he sought a pardon. A second federal judge says Wilbur Ross broke the law by adding a citizenship question to the census. And Arizona's newest senator reveals that she was raped by a superior officer while in the Air Force. But first, the big idea. House Democrats argued bitterly during an acrimonious closed-door meeting yesterday over whether to rebuke freshman Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, a Democrat from Minnesota, for her allegedly anti-Semitic remarks. Omar suggested last week that supporters of Israel have a allegiance to a foreign country. Her defenders argued that House Democratic leaders, led by Speaker Nancy Pelosi, are applying a double standard in singling out one of the two Muslim women in Congress, while Republicans have not been held accountable for what they see as equally or more egregious statements. The session became rancorous quickly, and plans for a fast vote on a resolution of disapproval appeared to fade amid the uproar. Democratic leaders openly fretted that the divisions within the party will overshadow their legislative agenda, especially a planned vote for later today on a major campaign and ethics reform bill. Multiple House members stood up to challenge Pelosi's decision to move forward with a resolution condemning religious hatred of all kinds. Initially, the measure targeted only anti-Semitism. Some Democrats pushed for a direct rebuke of Omar. But then on Tuesday night, leaders faced backlash from members who weren't on board with that plan, and they decided to expand the resolution to include anti-Muslim bias in addition to anti-Semitism. Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, a Democrat from New Jersey, was among the first members to stand up during yesterday's meeting and ask, why are we doing this? But then other lawmakers, including a group of Jewish members who've pushed to pass the resolution and keep it focused on anti-Semitism, stood up and talked about why Omar should be repudiated. Representative Ted Deutsch, a Democrat from Florida who is among those who drafted the initial resolution, got very emotional. He said his colleagues need to understand that the words that she used were hurtful to people like himself who have dealt with them all their lives. For Democrats, the internal divide has been exacerbated by new members targeting each other on Twitter. On Tuesday, for example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York knocked Juan Vargas, a congressman from California, on Twitter for saying that questioning the U.S.-Israel relationship should be out of bounds. During yesterday's meeting, Jan Schakowsky, a Democrat from the Chicago suburbs who's a close Pelosi ally, pleaded with the Democrats. She said, quote, Everyone stop tweeting. Now, Omar attended the Democratic caucus meeting and watched all of this debate play out, but she didn't speak. Then last night, the Congressional Black Caucus met to discuss how to handle the issue. But the group's chairwoman, Karen Bass, a Democrat from California, said afterward that the Black Caucus won't take an official position on responding to Omar because her caucus is, quote, all over the map. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, last night, Michael Cohen's current attorney admitted that Cohen directed his former legal team to seek a pardon from President Trump's lawyers. 
The revelation raises new questions about whether Cohen was honest in his public testimony to Congress last week. Cohen's new lawyer, Lanny Davis, tells The Post that Cohen directed his former attorney, Stephen Ryan, to contact Trump's representatives after they, quote, dangled the possibility of pardons in public statements. Davis wouldn't specify which public statements swayed Cohen, saying only that the outreach took place before federal law enforcement officials raided Cohen's home and office in April 2018. The Post was unable to reach Ryan last night. Rudy Giuliani, Trump's personal lawyer, would not confirm whether he had this conversation with Cohen's attorneys, but Giuliani might not be the only lawyer with whom Cohen discussed pardons. Cohen told lawmakers on the House Intelligence Committee that he also spoke about a pardon with Trump's other attorney, Jay Sokolow, according to four people familiar with his statements. Sokolow flatly denied Cohen's allegation, calling it not true, but declining to elaborate further. During a return visit yesterday, Cohen gave the House Intelligence Committee documents that purportedly illustrate how the president's lawyers edited his 2017 statements to Congress. The committee has not made those documents public, but according to people familiar with what's contained in them, the changes were plentiful, indicating that Trump's legal team had been apprised of what Cohen planned to tell lawmakers in 2017. Cohen later pleaded guilty for making false statements. Number two. A Homeland Security source leaked documents to the NBC affiliate in San Diego showing that the U.S. government created a secret database of activists, journalists, and lawyers who were tied to the migrant caravan last fall. In some cases, the government placed alerts on those people's passports, keeping at least three photojournalists and an attorney from entering Mexico to work. The intelligence gathering efforts were done under the umbrella of something called Operation Secure Line, which was created to monitor the caravan. The documents list people who officials think should be targeted for extra screening at the border. The list includes 10 journalists, seven of whom are U.S. citizens, a U.S. attorney, and 47 people from the U.S. and other countries who were labeled as organizers and instigators. Meanwhile, a federal judge ruled last night that Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross broke several laws and violated the Constitution when he added a citizenship question to the 2020 census in, quote, bad faith. U.S. District Judge Richard Seaborg from San Francisco found that Ross breached the spirit of the Constitution's enumeration clause. That, of course, is what requires a census to be conducted every 10 years to determine each state's representation in Congress. In the 126-page ruling, Judge Seaborg went further than a similar decision on January 15th by Judge Jesse Furman in New York. Unable to find a single expert in the Census Bureau who would approve of his plan to add the citizenship question, Seaborg wrote, Ross engaged in a, quote, cynical search to find some reason, any reason, to justify his decision. He was fully aware that the question would produce an undercount, particularly among Latinos, which would disadvantage some states and not lead to getting a fair count, the judge said. Seaborg, like Judge Furman, found after a trial that Ross misrepresented his reasons for adding the citizenship question both to the American people and during sworn testimony before Congress last March. Ross claimed he was acting at the request of the Justice Department in the interest of enforcing the Voting Rights Act. In reality, the judge writes, the evidence clearly establishes that the voting rights explanation was just a pretext. Separately, the U.S. Army acknowledged yesterday that it mishandled the sensitive personnel information of hundreds of immigrant recruits, leaving them extremely vulnerable to severe punishments in their home countries. A spreadsheet intended for internal coordination among recruiters was accidentally sent out publicly. It contained names, full social security numbers, and enlistment dates. It was sent out inadvertently at least three times between July 2017 and January 2018. 
The breach prompted at least a dozen asylum claims amid concerns that if the list were intercepted and recruits are forced to return to autocratic nations like China or Russia, their enlistments would be harnessed to punish them and their families with jail time, harsh interrogations, or worse. Number three, Senator Martha McSally, the freshman Republican from Arizona, revealed publicly for the first time yesterday that she was raped by a superior officer while serving in the Air Force. McSally was our country's first female fighter pilot to fly in combat. Her comments came during a hearing on preventing sexual assault in the military. Like you, she said, I am also a military sexual assault survivor. She was addressing several witnesses who were speaking at a hearing about their own assaults while serving in the military. But McSally said, unlike so many of the brave survivors, she didn't report being sexually assaulted. She said she didn't trust the system at the time. McSally told the panel that she blamed herself, that she was ashamed and confused and felt powerless to do anything about what happened to her. Now, she says, she's determined to change the system so that other women don't feel the same way. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, March 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.